Hello and welcome back to the Looking After Nature podcast. I'm Andy and I'm a Nature Recovery Officer with Hampshire County Council. And I'm Ben. I'm a Community Engagement Ranger with Hampshire Countryside Services. And today we're in Riverhamble Country Park, which is looking a bit overcast, but with signs of spring everywhere around us, Andy. Well, I know. It is a bit cooler today, but you can see signs of spring starting to emerge. I can see catkins on the hazel, which is the male part of the flower. Just about here for your birds starting to sing and setting up territory, but it is quite early in the spring at the moment. I came in this morning and heard a couple of woodpeckers tapping on the trees. Really nice. On today's episodes, we chat about some of the countryside's biggest myths, like do cows really sit down when it rains, and red sky at night, and things like that. So, I mean, whether they're myths or not, you know, people talk about urban myths, I suppose these are rural myths. I mean, it'll be good to know, and it'll be good for me to learn as well. Because there are some things that my old gran used to say to me, and I'm like, why? Yeah, I mean, sometimes they're referred to as old wives' tales. It's a bit demeaning, but then they were probably the wise women, so they're probably worth listening to, some of them. (laughs) And there are some, like, you know, the fact that they used to say in the medieval times that shrews had a venomous bite. Yeah. And then more recently, well, no, they haven't. No, they're not venomous. Yeah. But recent science has actually proved, yes, they are venomous. Yeah. You know, they, but when they bite the insects, they inject a bit of venom, which subdues the insect. Good to know. Definitely, I shall um, avoid shrews. Yeah. <laughs> avoid shrews. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us on nicely to our first myth, which is starting a really popular one. Red sky at night, shepherd's delight. Red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning. I mean, that's a really old one. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's been around, you know, a couple of thousand years, mentioning that sort of thing. That is old, but more importantly, what I want to know, is it true? Well, actually, in the UK, probably yes, because most of our prevailing weather systems come out from the southwest. If there's loads of particles of dust in the sky, which normally indicates high pressure and good mm. settled weather, if it's coming from the west, as in the sun sets in the west, it shows where the weather yeah. that is com- where it's coming from, what we're going to get next. Okay. So yeah. generally, it's fine in the next few days. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I've got a similar one, and that's the saying, rain before seven, fine by eleven. And that comes from the fact that the weather in the UK tends to change pretty quickly. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's a bit of a saying in Scotland, if you don't like the weather, wait a while, it'll change. Yeah, but this one isn't very reliable. It's usually true as four hours is enough time for rain to pass, but it depends on the speed in which the low pressure front is moving. Sometimes you say, if you want to know what the weather's going to do, stick your head out the window. Yeah, and I think that's probably the safest bet these days. So we can't rely on that one all the time. No. I mean, one myth that I've had mm. you know, on guided walks, and I'm leading people around, and people mm. say, oh, there's loads of fruit in the hedgerows. Does it mean it's going to be a hard winter? Yeah, I remember my gran used to say that as well. Is there anything in that? No. The no. trees can't predict the weather any more than we can. Yeah. Okay. Certainly not months ahead. Yeah. It's a reflection of what yeah. happened the previous spring and summer. Okay. If you've got a mild winter and the flowers don't yeah. get frosted for things like blackthorn, and it's not a drought, so the things like the brambles and things are able to produce yeah. more fruit, yeah. then you'll get loads of fruit. Yeah. If it's been dry or harsh weather, yeah. you'll get less. But it all supports birds in the yeah. winter. You know, things no. like your, your wintering thrushes, like your field fares and red yeah. wings. So our next one is about pine cones. And pine cones open up when it's likely to be dry weather. What, like sort of nature's meteorologists as such? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're, they're thinking much about it. But it is based on <laughs> science. It's about the humidity in the air. It's a bit like seaweed. People used to yeah. have bits of seaweed yeah. up and is it damp or not? And like the rocks, if your rock was wet, it was raining. Well, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> this is the thing. But if the, if the weather's dry, then the pine cones, they dry out themselves. Right. Okay. And they open up and release the seeds. 
So, in effect, what you're saying is if we have more damp weather, the pine cone would close up? Yeah. Another friend message is that cows like pine cones. You can also predict the weather. Yeah, the one about cows lying down when it's raining. Yeah, that was, that was one of my grand's favourites. Yeah, so it turns out that this one is more false than fact. It's, it's not a truth. There are a few theories that this is where the myth came from that can seem scientific. Like the cows are sensitive to atmospheric pressure or they can sense moisture in the air. So they lie down to save themselves a nice dry patch of grass. Yeah, but quite often you see cows standing up in the rain because cows chew the cud. Mm, yeah. So they'll be up and standing around and grazing and picking up, eating the grass. Yeah. And then they have to spend several hours a day just digesting. So they'll probably just lie down to do that. And I think there's something called confirmation bias. If you have a theory that cows lie down when it's raining, every time you see a cow lying down when it's raining, that's confirming your bias. Yeah, yeah. You'll ignore all the times you see them standing up yeah, in the rain. definitely. And, and also, with, with the cow being a herd animal, do they copy each other as part of the herd? Yeah, I mean, they probably would do. You know, if yeah. they're feeding at the same time, they're all going to be feeding at the yeah, same definitely. time. If they're all lying down at the same time, they do tend to copy each other. Yeah, so I think that is more myth than fact, really. Yeah. But, I mean, a related one, which they found through, actually through Google Maps and things like this, mm. is the fact that grazing animals quite often align north to south. OK. The whole herd will be facing magnetic yeah. north yeah. or magnetic yeah. south. Well, that's, that's interesting to know. I haven't got a clue why. No. You know, clearly they can sense, I mean, birds can sense magnetic fields, yeah. and they probably do have a magnetic yeah. sense as well. And they actually found out, because they were trying to look at campers, apparently, mm. Because there was a theory that small mammals, when they build their nests in a hole, they do it at one end or the other, depending on the magnetic okay. field. Yeah. And they were trying to look at campers and tents mm. to see which way the tents which were orientated. Which way the tents were, in case it was affected the same. But they couldn't find that. But then yeah. suddenly noticed the cows in the field next door seemed to be lined up. No clue why, but clearly it is a thing. I mean, maybe you could go online and check out your aerial photographs <laughs> of places and have a look at the cows. I shall go on Google Earth and have a look for pictures of cows. Now, one thing that actually we come across quite a lot, particularly as spring coming up, is that baby birds, if they're abandoned, air quotes don't work on, a, on I know, on the, on the <laughs> podcast, but I was doing that. If they're abandoned, then you shouldn't pick them up because the birds will abandon them. So what should I do if I find a bird out in the nest? Then? People say, should I put it back in the nest or actually mm. I don't touch yeah. it at all. But actually birds, they haven't got a very good sense of smell, but they won't be able to smell you on the, on the baby bird. And actually, they've invested a lot of time and effort in rearing that young bird, yeah. so they won't just abandon it. Because most of these birds we're hearing around, like the blue tits and things like that, yeah. they're born naked. Now, if they're outside the nest naked, they're, yeah. they're a goner, basically. Yeah. You won't really be yeah. able to do much for them. But what some things they will do sometimes is they'll fledge early. If yeah. a predator gets near the nest, if they've got enough feathers just to flap about, yeah. they'll get out okay. and they'll survive better. Yeah. And seeing a young bird with a bit of feathers on it, mm -hmm. generally the parent's not too far away. Unless it's in a really dodgy place, like the middle of a road. I mean, okay. take care, don't clearly don't go in the middle of the road yourself. Just move it to the side, move it into a bush. Yeah. Okay. Morning. Morning. Another myth that's come up is, are bats blind? No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> I mean, they use the echolocation quite a lot, yeah. but yeah. they haven't lost the entire use of their eyes. Some people say their eyesight might be a little bit better than ours, but they okay. probably use it less yeah. because they use echolocation. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not actually blind. No, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, with, especially with the echolocation because they get all their prey with the insects and stuff. Yeah, I mean, they find their way around because it's almost pitch black. They could fly into trees and stuff like that. Clearly using echolocation to move yeah. around 
and it's quite funny because actually when you've got um, two woodlands separated mm. by a field they quite often can't find their way across mm. the field if they've yeah. got a hedgerow yeah they can follow the hedgerow along because yeah. it's a fixed but okay you know so they can't necessarily see the woodland across the yeah. field for example when it's night time they might have another woodland across the field they can yeah. feed in but if yeah. they can't see it they won't go to it right, but if there's yeah. a connecting hedgerow or something like that they'll follow the hedgerow they use it like a highway the hedgerow Absolutely. As, as a guide when they're yeah. flying that's why some of the connections are very important for things like bats I've seen bats when we sit out summertime when it's coming dusk in our back garden. Yeah. Sit down and you see them swooping down and over and stuff. It's lovely to see them. But I know some people are a bit frightened of things like bats where they come flying around their head. Mm. You know, they get tangled in my hair. They don't get tangled in my hair, it's a bit short, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Question, if a bat does get tangled in your hair, is it disastrous? I've never known anybody get a bat tangled in their hair. No, I mean, I, I don't think I'd have the problem. So there's loads of rumours and consequences, you know, I mean, but I think it's quite cultural, you know, people talk about turning your hair grey, you go bald, you get an infestation of bugs, you get insane. That's a lot. Another myth that came up that hopefully we can burst here is about getting warped from touching a toad. That seems to be a popular one. Don't burst the warp, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's a thing, you can buy a wart. So if you've got a wart on your hand, and this is what my nan used to say. Yeah. Get someone to buy it, so I could go. I wave my hand across it and give you some money, and it would get rid it, of the wall. It would get rid of it. You know, I'm not sure it works. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the thing that all things get better with time. Yeah. So the fact that when well, you've got a big wall, but that's probably its peak. So as it gets better, it disappears. Well, I sold it, didn't I? But no, you can't catch warts off them. Would you recommend picking one up? I wouldn't worry about it, but I mean, some species around the world are highly toxic. The common toad, for example, yeah. is quite warty and it's yeah. got secretions. If you ate it, you'd make you quite yeah. sick. I Don't do. eat them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not planning on having a supper of toads. In any case, they are from wet environments. Yeah. So like a lot of these things, there might be certain bugs like salmonella on them. Maybe wash your hands afterwards. Yeah. But be careful with it because you can damage their skin. Yeah, definitely. You, you want to look after our, our resident species and our local species, definitely. And we move on to our final myth now. And it's one that's really popular, and it's one that I learnt from my mum and dad as a child. It's one that lemons commit mass suicide. Do they? <laughs> no. In a word, <laughs> no. I mean, it's, it is a big myth. I won't mention the company, but mm. there has been companies who have had films about wildlife, and they're highly staged. Yeah. They have actually driven loads of lemming off a, off a cliff, but they do go up and down in number. But that's to do with their environment, because all the lemmings live up in the high Arctic. So it's natural fluctuations in population. So some years they'll have massive numbers, the next year they'll crash. But it is linked with what happens in Hampshire, where we've got Brent Goose on the coast down here, which breed in the same areas. And their population levels and the success of their young quite often depends on the numbers of lemmings. Because you've got birds like the short-eared owls and the rough-legged buzzard, which live up there, and things like the Arctic foxes. There's loads of lemmings around. They'll happily feed on them. They won't touch the geese. So if there's loads of lemmings, they don't eat so many young goslings. So you get far more young geese down here in the winter. So I think we've debunked that one and said it's false. So Andy, you've actually educated me this morning. I'd like to say thank you for that. That's right. (laughs) Hopefully we've debunked some of the myths, the common myths anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, there's loads more you can come yeah. across. You'll hear new ones. The thing is about the mythology around uh, magpies. I mean, mm. is there a thing that you've learned to say I, magpies? I, I have, and I was taught yet again from my grand. She's got a lot to answer for, bless her. We always say, morning, Mr. Magpie. Just once? Just the once. First one I see of the day, because otherwise it's bad luck. 
and I think it varies which yeah. part of the country you're from. Yeah. For me, it was morning, Mr. Magpie, morning, Mr. Magpie, morning, Mr. Magpie. Right, I've yeah. also heard morning, Mr. Magpie, how's your sons and daughters? Yeah. So I think that just yeah, varies yeah. what part of the country you're from and which granny told you Definitely, or grand, granddad yeah, told you. Yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Let us know of any myths you might know and if you want them debunked. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. So I've been Andy. It's good to meet you. I've been Ben. Good to meet you again. <laughs>